Welcome to Protest and Survive Number One. I'm your host, Reed Dunley. This is a brand new podcast featuring interviews with people who are both artists and activists. The impetus for this project was that I've generally been involved in both of those circles more or less my whole life. And I found that the people who inspire me the most are people who are both artists and activists. Those definitions can be super loose, but bridging the gap between those worlds is actually a rarer occurrence than I would expect. So I wanted to do a podcast where we sat down and talked with folks who are kind of bridging the divide between activism worlds, whether that's, you know, political organizing or creating spaces based on identity or additionally with art, whether that's music or visual art or another creative outlet. Our interview today is with Juan Carlos Silva. He is a punk musician, a concert promoter, and an anti-racist agitator in Austin, Texas, where he was born and raised. I've known Juan Carlos since he was 16 years old. He's been playing in bands around Austin forever. He plays bass in The Impalers. He sings in Strutter, who sound like this. generally involved with everything punk that's going on in Austin, Texas, but he's keeping it really political at the same time. We spoke with Juan Carlos at the end of This Is Austin Not That Great in his backyard in East Austin. It was his third time putting on this international punk festival that brought bands that are generally smaller DIY punk bands from all over the country and internationally to Austin, Texas to do a long weekend of shows. It was a grueling musical experience and I got to see a whole bunch of bands that I had never heard before and bands that I already really liked. And it was an exhausting experience and we talked at the very end of it. So we spoke about that festival. We spoke about the legacy of Texas punk in general, punk festivals like Chaos and Teos that had happened before Juan Carlos's fest and other bands that had came before him. We spoke about Austin as a city and Texas as a state and you know what the political, economic, social landscape is in Austin and in Texas more generally. We spoke for a while about Lime and Bird electronic scooters, which I don't know if you've spent any time in Austin recently, but they are, I would say, quite literally littering the streets of Austin with shareable electronic scooters. And we spoke about the social implications of that. We spoke about benefit shows. Juan Carlos has been putting on benefit shows around Austin for a while. This festival that he did was a partial benefit for Raices that does immigration legal support in Texas. We spoke about confronting white nationalists. We spoke about the police. We spoke about Ted Cruz. So without further ado, here is our interview with Juan Carlos Silva on Protest and Survive. You book a lot of shows in Austin. Yes. Yeah. Why did you start booking punk shows? I started booking punk shows, I was probably like 16. I was like 16 or 17. I just like, I wasn't playing in any bands. And I wanted to be a part of it in some way, you know, and like I wanted to contribute and I wanted to make sure like things were still happening. When I was a kid, only like one or two, three people were booking shows. And after Chaos and Tejas happened, happened or ended, you know, there wasn't a lot of touring bands coming through. It was all just local stuff, and which is cool, but you know, we need some outside exposure. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, I wanted to be a part of it and I wasn't really doing anything. So I just, you know, 
just did it. Yeah. And what um, what do you like about it? I mean, I like the fact that I get to see bands that I want to see, you know. Um, I like, you know, just seeing everybody have a good time, like, be in, like, a place where, you know, even if it's a, even if it shows at a like a place that sells alcohol, like people having a good time at a place is not necessarily a bar, and like, you know, you don't have to be like spending your money all night to be having fun because there's plenty of stimulation. I guess I don't know. Yeah, but there's other things to look at and then participate yeah. in. Yeah, no, as opposed just, to a drink. Yeah, exactly. But ultimately, it's just it's just nice to see. People have a good time. Tell me about this fest that you just did. Well, it happened at Barracuda, Beerland, and a DIY space called 523 Thompson. I got bands from all over the US. I tried to get some bands from Mexico and Canada. It didn't work out, but I got uh, one band from Spain. That was our international band. I just tried to do a fest with mostly newer bands that a lot of people haven't heard of and try to expose them to people. Chaos and Tejas, can you kind of, I don't know, tell me about that, but just kind of tell me more about like what is like the legacy of the Austin punk scene. Chaos and Tejas, I think it went for like 10, maybe 12 years. I started going, yeah, when I was like 15 or 16. Yeah, so that was a big deal. That was a huge deal. You know, they had so many legendary, historically important bands play every year. And it usually was for a lot of people, especially in Texas, like their first time seeing most of the bands that they saw, you know, or like, or first time hearing a lot of these bands or, you know, and a lot of people, this is their first time seeing like one of their favorite bands of all time. And yeah, for Texas and punk, it was a huge, huge deal. And, uh, but I mean, punk has been in Austin since punk started, you know, like we had the Huns and the Dicks and the big boys and stuff like that. I think back in that day, like there was there was no such thing as a punk fest. Back in that day, like what were what were those bands about, and how does that compare to punk now? Um, well, the Dicks were very openly homosexual and communist, unapologetically. They were sometimes violent. They would talk about how you know they would walk around and fuck with frat guys and stuff, and like they would always be getting in fights. They were like definitely like the old school style of what people think punk is, and I think a lot of that is still kind of important. Um, but the scene is a lot different, obviously, because everybody, most of the majority of people here, either playing or going to shows, are a lot younger than people were in like the 80s. Um, right now, I think there's not too much politics influencing music in Texas punk, but there are, there's still, you know, there's still a good amount of bands that are like talking about that type of stuff. And like, I think almost everybody in the punk scene kind of just agrees with 
most leftist ideals or anarchist ideals or whatever. Tell me about Texas and tell me about growing up in Austin. Well, yeah, Texas is extremely conservative and Christian and uh, we have a lot of guns, and a lot of racism, especially with Austin. The way Austin became what it is, it started booming in the 60s because like there was lots of like hippies and weirdos and people from small towns who didn't fit in and you know their lives were probably miserable as hell so they all just moved to Austin because it was like the one big city they it was the closest big city they could go to I guess and that's like what made Austin what it is so I think like the history of like punk in Texas definitely like draws from people's fucked up traumatic childhoods and upbringings you know it's weird like as someone who doesn't live here but like comes here and like i haven't really spent much time in like other parts of texas for more than like a day or two or whatever um because yeah i feel like you you know when you think of or hear about texas especially like being like from new york right you kind of like are like oh yeah it's like what you said to start it's it's conservative it's racist there's guns like there's this like you know kind of like fucked up culture about it but then when i come here and visit it's like i see like all of you guys and i see like all these like mexican people around and you know it's also like but there's all these other fucking people here and i'm kind of like i'm always kind of like curious as it's, is it like how many people is it just because like is it just because like the you know not white culture here is kind of like disenfranchised like politically economically whatever so they like can't change this place or something or like maybe don't even like care to change this place are like more concerned with like you know dinner or whatever yeah because it's like there's so many people here who i who i interact with who aren't shitheads yeah you know and it's like it always like it doesn't confuse me but it always like strikes me as like a weird dynamic here yeah, well, I mean, Austin is a lot different from most of Texas, you know, like, we're completely different. People always, like, talk, call it, like, the blue dot in a sea of red or whatever, but, um, so I, we're definitely, like, outnumbered, but in Austin, it's very comfortable to be who you are, and, like, which is nice, but, uh. We're definitely like in our own little comfort, comforting bubble. Yeah. Um, so Austin is diverse, but also not at the same time, I think, because a lot of like, um, a lot of like liberal views and lifestyles are very homogenized here. And uh, I don't know. Yeah. And like, liberalism probably isn't really like the answer in the long run i guess no definitely not definitely not <laughs> i mean we've talked about this but tell me about like i don't know like what do you not fuck with with austin um what do i not fuck with there's i mean obviously like rapid gentrification here which it's hard not to be a part of you know like it's almost impossible not to because like you still gotta be able to afford where you live you know um I try not to fuck with just like supporting a small business because it's a small business. I'd rather like support a business that's like people in Austin people like, you know, it's like an important thing to them, small businesses and stuff like that. But I know so many people who've been like fucked over by small businesses, like working overtime and not getting paid overtime or like 
what have you, just because it's a small business and they're not making enough money. And like in this neighborhood, like I've seen it change a lot. I've seen a lot of shit disappear and get rebuilt to something else. And more often than not, like some cool new bar opens up, you walk in, it's like filled with a bunch of liberal people, but it's all white owned and white run. And like, they usually just hire cool hip white people. And like, I'll go to like, you know, the Sonic or the HEB and they're actually employing like kids from this neighborhood, you know, like p kids of color and things like that. So it's like, I don't, I just don't fuck with uh, supporting businesses in general, you know, like, I think it's all just like, you just gotta buy what you can afford. Like it doesn't, it shouldn't fucking, I don't know. That's a, I think that's a big thing here in Austin. People pick and choose like what they, what businesses they support when really it's none of it matters. Like it should all be, <laughs> it should all be burned down. <laughs> um, yeah, that's the first thing I could think of as far as what I don't fuck with in Austin. Yeah. What do you think about these, um, these uh, electric scooters around town? <laughs> uh, they're very fun to destroy, but uh, everybody hates them and it's like really dangerous and unregulated and blah, blah, blah. But I, one of the first things I thought about was like, well, I could actually fuck with this idea if it was like socialized. Like if they made like little byways from every neighborhood to just go to downtown and like encourage people not to drive. But also we wouldn't fucking need those things if we had like a good public transit system, you know? Like the like the bills to expand our like metro rail get, sh get shot down every fucking year and like to expand our just our whole metro system in general. And our fucking buses suck. They suck so bad. And it's caused me, it caused me to miss so much school and work throughout my life. And I don't know. I obviously the scooters are just like a capitalist response to like a need. So it makes sense that they exist here. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, we wouldn't need them if we had something better. Yeah, you know, like, it's, like they they couldn't absolutely they absolutely could not exist in a place like New York or whatever because people have public transit, people have those things, and like I don't know. Yeah, that's basically like the exact same thing I said today in a conversation where it's like I don't have a, I don't have any issue with this on like a idea level. I mean, I do. I have an issue with like the fucking like app gig economy bullshit where they just like you know remove human beings from like you know transactions to make it like a computer instead. Yeah, I have a problem with that idea but like I don't have a problem with the the overall idea being like yeah more electric scooters less cars but like the way it functions is just like so absurd yeah and it's so unsafe too. it's so dangerous it's so dangerous I mean I I see I see drunk girls wearing heels wobbling down the street every fucking day because I, I work in bars you know like and I'm always just like well I wonder who's gonna die tonight like <laughs> have people have people died in Austin from it yet? you know I don't know if it's happened in Austin I know it's happened in other places but yeah because, I mean, I, I rode a, around a few times when I was here, for sure. Like, yeah. I'm going to, like, try it out or whatever. And, like, the first one I picked up, like, the brakes did not work. Yeah. Like, they didn't do anything. Well, yeah, because people, <laughs> people are fucking them up. Yeah, <laughs> totally. I'm, wonder, I'm curious if, like, it's kind of like a funny, like, um, almost like social experiment. It's like 
like people could are are like literally making it like a lot more expensive for this company by fucking them up constantly yeah by like breaking them that's real economic resistance right? yeah <laughs> like what is more revolutionary than that i don't know i this is kind of like off a little bit off subject but there's that instagram bird graveyard where it's all videos of people destroying the scooters uh-huh. a lot of them are a lot of the videos are like on the west coast where it started but uh like in oakland or some shit it, or like Santa Monica and shit like that and like but they have this post because a lot of people they, they post a lot of videos of people throwing them in the ocean or in the river and blah 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 and people complain about how it's pollution and that's fucked up and that's true you know like you're polluting the fucking water with those batteries and shit but ultimately they made this like statement that was like yo if the Coca-Cola company showed up to the beach and left like a giant package shipment of bottles that's fucking littering too like they're gonna end up in the ocean regardless <laughs> like it's all it's all fucking waste so like but no like nobody's nobody's complaining to the companies themselves that they're littering it's like what do you expect people are gonna do you know yeah like, if you leave something out and like i i think people would probably respect them more if it was like you know run by their cities or something but obviously any shithead hooligan is gonna break them if you just leave them out yeah yeah, I mean, I definitely, like, am not stoked when I see them in water. Yeah. For that reason. I've also thrown them in the water. Yeah. You know, like, I've, all, I've, like, I've destroyed those things, and I've also given money to that company, you know? It's like, but that's, like, just how we operate in this world. Like, we fucking... We make a lot of complicated choices every day, yeah, I feel We like. contribute to so much bad stuff, but, you know, do what you can. Yeah, totally. You touched on this... A little bit and I feel like you've in the past kind of said that this festival is also you know beyond like um being like a place to like see music that you like it's like also like creating a space for people to feel like they can you know be empowered and take their own lives into their hands and like do something and have a voice and all that type of stuff can you kind of like tell me about that and like I don't know if you're if your thoughts have changed in any way over the last few years of doing this festival where i see that people in the punk scene generally care about things for the most part but they're still very uneducated about things and it's hard for people to keep up with that stuff in their day-to-day lives especially if you're working like 60 hours a week or whatever and uh but i just after like you know the trump election a lot of people got up in arms and stuff and started doing all these benefits and things like that, which are important and that needs to keep happening. And I think ultimately, like, if we're going to be doing this punk thing to, like, change the world, then we actually, like, need to put our, like, money towards it, too, and, like, our our actual, you know, put actual physical work into it and, like, be there, have people, bodies taking up space and showing people that we're unhappy. Um... I like when I first started the fest. I didn't. I the first two years, obviously, we didn't do any like sort of like benefit thing. I was just trying to just make the fest happen. But uh, I don't know. I just want to start gearing everything I do towards like, you know, making a difference. Uh, but yeah, the, the Trump election obviously like has a lot to do with everybody's like boost in like their involvement in politics and stuff, which not a bad thing you know what change do you think you can make by making shows benefits um i just 
mainly it just shows support, um, shows that people care. Uh, the first benefit show that I took a part of, it made the most amount of money that I've ever made from a show, you know? And I was really inspired by that. Like, we did a benefit for Puerto Rico and Mexico, and it was, we made like, between, we also did a raffle too, but between like the raffle and the show, it was like almost three grand or something like that. And it was fucking crazy. And the show really turned out, and I think like, more people were more inclined to go to the show because it was a benefit and it was for a good cause, you know? Tell me about the organization that you were raising money for at the fest. Uh, it's uh, RAICES, the Refugee and Immigrant Center for Education and Legal Services. They just basically help people with their the legal processes of becoming a citizen or seeking asylum or whatever. Um, <clears throat> and I think they also, yeah, like they, if they can't necessarily afford a lawyer, they can just like somewhat educate them on the laws of America and stuff like that. Do they, um, do they know that they're getting this, this money from you guys or? I actually contacted them cause, uh, you know, cause I put their fucking name on the flyer. They never responded, but I'm sure they're fucking, they have way more things to worry about right now. Yeah. Uh, but, um, yeah, they, I don't think they have any idea. They're just going to get the money. Yeah. Have, um, can you tell me about some of the other organizations that you have raised money for or, or friends of yours have raised money for? And has that like led to any, like, I don't know, interesting connections happening or anything like that? I'm not really sure about connections I've made through benefits, but um, besides like, like doing the raffles and stuff, like some of the like business people, like managers of like certain businesses or the owners, like will be like, oh yeah, if you're doing this any more of this type of stuff, just let us know and we'll like be happy to help out. But um, <clears throat> we did we did stuff for Topo, which is like like the National Guard or like of Mexico or whatever, like the, but it's not like. Part of the, I don't think it's part of the government. I think it's all like citizen run. I don't know what Topo is. It was they were like the first responders for like the Mexico earthquake. Oh right right right. Yeah, and then we did one for Puerto Rico. Our friend, uh, my friend Kyle, did one for uh, uh, Casa Marianela, I think, or whatever yeah. the place that it's like an asylum house or whatever. But uh, those are the ones we've done. The next one I'm going to do is for Trans Lifeline, the like suicide prevention hotline for trans people. Cool. Yeah. What's that going to be? I'm not sure yet. Yeah. Mm, still working on it. I'm just like, just asking whoever wants to do it. I think maybe we try to see, because I've like, I've been racking up uh, air miles on my fucking airline credit cards. So I think maybe I'll try to fly out a big band or something like that. I'm not sure yet. You got to jog my memory on this, but I remember like within like the last year, maybe there was like a couple of times where you guys in Austin were showing up to some like right wing protest shit and, yeah. and getting into some altercations there. Yeah. The first like altercation I had with like white power shit, there was like a white lives matter rally downtown. And so me and the homies, you know, obviously went to go like counter protests and stuff and like kind of clashed with the police. We, there was more violence with the police than there was with the actual protesters or whatever, in quotation, scare quotes. Uh, but, um, yeah, like, my homie got arrested, and, like, we all kind of just got knocked on our heads and shit and fucked with by the cops. Uh, 
I made a sign for Danny that said, uh, Obama should have put y'all in FEMA camps. And uh, this one dude like punched a hole in it or something. Uh, we are definitely all like throwing rocks and throwing, cause like they have the horses, so we are like throwing horse shit and stuff like that. And uh, some, yeah, some of us got arrested. I got, I got doxxed, cause there's like KKK people there, I got doxxed. That was my first time getting doxxed, I ended up buying a gun because of that. Cause they had my personal information, but I'm not on the lease at my house, so they had like my parents' address and all this shit. Uh -huh. I was like really freaked out. Um, How did that turn out? Nothing really came of it, honestly. And then I got doxxed again because the Proud Boys started showing up. Proud Boys describes itself as a, quote, pro-Western fraternal organization. Critics call them a violent racist group. The only prerequisite is that you're a dude, born a dude, and you accept the West is the best. Yes, we're chauvinist. Chauvinist doesn't mean sexist. Chauvinist means extremely patriotic. Yes, we're mostly pro-Trump. We even got Muslims in the mix. And I'm so fucking sick of saying this to journalists and then them writing the opposite. They'll go, so you guys are white supremacists? No. Um, we were like at Yellow Jacket, like the bar that most punks like to hang out in Austin. Uh, we were at the Yellow Jacket and we saw like some people wearing like MAGA hats and like, uh, you know, the black and gold Fred Perry's. And I was like, oh, those are definitely Proud Boys. So I just like immediately started texting everybody. And so that weekend turned out to just be like a whole ordeal. We were just like trying to track them down everywhere they were going and trying to run them out and let them know that they weren't welcome. And it ended up turning into an altercation the next day. There was like a little bit of violence. Uh, the guy who was their leader, who is now, I guess he's now officially the leader of the Proud Boys, like the whole Proud Boys. Since Gavin J got run out. Yeah, Jason Van Dyke, he was there. He like fucking pulled out a knife on everybody and all this shit. That guy fucking sucks. He recently, he, we well, didn't, we thought he got disbarred. He didn't get disbarred, but he got in trouble for gun fraud. I think we, we kind of helped, we like, a few of us, because we didn't want to make police reports, but if some some of us like made re uh, complaints to the bo the bar, the uh, Texas Bar Association, and it's like he's definitely gotten in a lot of trouble before, but he's still not disbarred yet. But you know, it's just one more slip up, and he's probably done for as far as that goes. Yeah, and yeah. and did anything come of being docked that time? No, no. No, they're not really about shit, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> and there's, like, a lot, like, I don't know. There's a, in terms of, like, doxing, I feel like when, when left-wing people dox, I don't, yeah, when left-wing people, like, dox, like, probably people and shit, it's like, let's get them fired from their job or whatever. Yeah. Which happens, seems to happen fairly regularly, I guess. But, like, what, like, the bars you work at, and you're like, no, he can't work here, he's, like, too anti-racist. No, that is that is not happening. You know what I mean? So there's like they don't really well, have. I mean, but if they were to show up and you know shoot up your house or something, that would like probably suck. Yeah, no, the fucking like the the actual like big fight altercation, whatever you want to call it, that happened. Like half of the people involved were like, like one like my boss was there. You know, like I like he I was everybody was like okay they're all outside of Hotel Vegas right now. Everybody show up and I like had to go clock in. And I texted my boss, and he's like, you can be a couple minutes late, it's fine, I'm gonna fuck, like, I'm gonna be there. <laughs> like, so, like, you know, like, 
I, that's not really going to be an issue with anybody, unless it's obviously like a fucking place owned by some shitty right wing people or something. What kind of effect do you think that had? Either of those two kind of like actions or sustained actions had on fighting those people off or something. I mean, ultimately, just let them know that there's plenty of people that are willing to fight them at every front. You know, make sure that make sure they know that they're not safe around us. You know. Because ultimately, what they're doing is making people unsafe. You know. Yeah. What are What are they doing? I mean, they're spreading. They're spreading the idea of white gen or genocide. You know. Ultimately, that's their end goal. That's their final solution or whatever is genocide. Uh, all of their their rhetoric is ultimately ends in mass murder. You know. Yeah. They like to tiptoe around it or claim that they're not racist or whatever, and they just, like, support imperialism, but, like, that's what imperialism is, you know? Yeah. What were you talking about on stage at Barracuda the other night? Uh, I think I said something to the extent of the fact that voting is not... We're at a point in human history where voting is not going to change anything. Not that it really has throughout any point in human history, but... Uh, the only way we're gonna get anything done is if we go outside and riot and we kill some police, <laughs> which I think is really illegal for, for for me to have done. I'm pretty sure I probably, if there was like an officer there or something, I probably could have gone to jail. <laughs> but I'm not sure. I'm not totally educated on the laws of that. But I mean, we are in Texas, so yeah. I think I could have at least gotten like arrested for inciting a riot or something. Yeah. And how did um? How did people generally respond to that? Oh, it was great. Everybody's loved it. People sang along. I think there was a point, like, in the break of the song where there was a solo, I just, I, like, just, like, stood back and just, like, couldn't help but just, like, smile and, like, shed a single tear. I was, like, very inspired to see everybody that excited <laughs> for that song. Uh, my, uh, my little, my parents were there, and my my whole like not my whole family, but my little brother and my parents and a couple of my cousins were there, which I was like a little bit apprehensive about. But uh, apparently, like my my little brother looked at my mom, and my mom was like kind of shook, and then like he looked at my dad, and my dad was just like smiling, laughing really hard. <laughs> your your dad seemed to be having a really good time at the show. Yeah, yeah, it was cool was, to meet him. Yeah, he was going around telling everybody how proud he was of me and stuff. <laughs> um, so this was your band Strutter that played your festival. Yes. Um, tell me about uh, why you wrote that song. Oh, we didn't write That was a cover. Was oh, a, that was a cover. It was a cover of a band, the Swedish Agent Orange. I think the song was written when they were called Jesus and the Gospel Fathers. about why you covered that song it's just a sentiment we all really believe in you know yeah how long have you um, felt that way honestly since I'm I've always felt that way basically I don't know I like was exposed like my dad you know would tell me about Che Guevara and stuff like that when I was a kid and like he's always kind of like encouraged me to be like part of that like movement I guess I don't know he always like really admired like Malcolm X and stuff like that you know people who like were seen as enemies of the state but they would you know 
I don't know. I've always had like a very like anti-establishment uh, viewpoint. Yeah. Since I was a kid. I feel like it's it's not a uh, uncommon thing to hear a punk band say "kill the police." That's like happened a lot of times. Yeah, for sure. In a lot of different ways. Is that type of um, statement or sentiment more of like a literal thing or more of a hyperbolic thing or kind of like somewhere in between? I think somewhere in between. Um, I know it's like very illegal to encourage people to kill or whatever. And like, I don't think it it should never have to come down to that, you know, but also people just shouldn't be police. They're upholding something. They're upholding a, a whole system of murder. They're murderers, you know, like how else can you stop murder how i don't i don't have an answer for that you know like i don't think violence is cool i don't think it's the answer but it definitely like seems to get things done more than voting on the promo video and i think on across different social media posts for your festival it said uh fuck ted cruz on it uh tell me about that uh fuck him he deserves to die (laughs) he's just an awful fucking blob fish he's been responsible for the deaths of so many people countless and uh he will be responsible for many more and uh through his policies he's creating violence against the general people i don't know he's just an awful person and uh i also for the record i don't want people to think that i'm a beto supporter either because he's a fraud but uh you know i voted for him you know whatever i'd rather see ted cruz lose what do you think or hope that you know punk can accomplish for your world I hope that it radicalizes every single person that comes in contact with it Um, I hope people actually like listen to like the lyrics you know and like think about those things and maybe they're inspired to read some books read some literature about it ultimately revolution is what we want is what I want I think it's what most of us want and it's like why we keep doing this because you know, this shit's not working.